with fresh voices, new content, and even more diversity. Go to KKFI's website to check out our new schedule at www.kkfi.org. And don't forget... This is Paul Cannon, a volunteer, and you're listening to 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Support for KKFI brought to you by the Midwest Trust Center at Johnson County Community College. Now welcoming audiences for its 2023 season. Performances include blues, rock, jazz, classical, world music, comedy, and children's programming. See the full season and learn more at jccc.edu slash Midwest Trust Center. The views and opinions of this program are those of its host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 90.1 FM, KKFI, Midcoast Radio Project, or its staff and volunteers. about it is appealing everything that traffic will allow no way could you get that happy feeling when you are stealing that extra bow there's no people like show people they smile when they are low yesterday they told you you would not go far that night you open and there you are next day on your dressing room they make up the props, the audience that lifts you when you're down, the headaches, the heartaches, the backaches, the flops, the sheriff who escorts you out of town, the opening when your heart beats like a drum, the closing when the customers don't come. word before the show has started that your favorite uncle died at dawn and top of that your partner I have parted you're broken hearted but you go on there's no people like show people they smile when they are low even with a turkey that you know Well, hello and welcome to the uh, the first 9 a.m. edition of the KKFI Arts Magazine Show. I am Michael Hogue, your host. Glad to have you with us on this Tuesday morning here in Kansas City as you listen to the Arts Magazine Show right here on KKFI 90.1 FM, your community radio station right here in Kansas City. Yes, this is the week 
that a lot of shows on the station changed around. In fact, 27% of the schedule has been changed around. So uh, if your favorite program happens to be on right now, I think you should stay. <laughs> but, if, but if you want to find uh, your favorite program that used to be on at this time in the morning, you can check on the KKFI website, kkfi.org, and you can always listen to their podcast if, you, if you've missed it. But we'll get you into the swing of things. I'm sure the people that listened to me yesterday had, had to switch over to now. I hope they are anyway. But we're going to talk about some interesting things on the program here today. Uh, same basic uh, premise here on the Arts Magazine show. If you've never heard us before, we talk about what's going on theatrically, and that also would include motion pictures, I've, uh, poetry readings, uh, things like that. That's what we talk about, those kind of things here on the Arts Magazine show. We're going to start out by talking to one of the veteran guests, Keith Wiedenkeller. He's the uh, Director of Arts and Culture at I should have you explain it. You have one title for one of your places, and you have another title for another of your places. Well, sure. Thanks, Michael. Well, uh, the White Theater is is a part of the Jewish Community Center, as we like to call it, the J. So I am the director of arts and culture at the J, and uh, my majority of what I do is to serve as the managing artistic director of the White Theater. Yeah, and that's a beautiful building. I, I know I say that often, but if you have not been there, it's a lovely place. Uh, the the whites uh, were, were very generous with you. That's a wonderful space. Thank you so much. Yeah, constructed in 2005, and uh, fortunately for us, they established a great endowment that allows us to keep improving it, keep it up to date, keep it clean and well-maintained. So it's a great facility, very accessible, lots of free parking, easy to get into and uh, and a great place to see a show. Yeah, not too long ago. It was been within the last six months. Somebody asked me, he said, now are they still down on homes? And I had to laugh and I said, <laughs> not for a very long time because I was in a couple of their shows back in those days. And that was a long time the ago. The mid 80s. Yeah. Uh, I, was a, I was a young man. <laughs> wow. I was a young man when all that happened. So, very young man, as a matter of fact, when all of that happened. But, you know, as the population migrated, you know, more towards uh, Sure. The West, yeah. so did the community center. Absolutely. And you're established down mm -hmm. there at uh, 5801 West 115th Street, Overland Park, Kansas, zip code 66211. Mm -hmm. 211. That's right. My writing's not very good on a Tuesday morning. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's where they are now. And it's right near where the Sprint campus used to be. And I'm sure the buildings are, and it's somebody's campus the now. T-Mobile. It's yeah, the T-Mobile sure. campus yeah, sure. over there. So mm -hmm. that gives you a reference point to talk about where they are. They are presenting the show The Prom. And that will be opening on Saturday the 27th at 7.30. Sunday the 28th is a matinee. That, that is, we're talking the first, uh, the first weekend, essentially. Then performances move to Thursday the 1st of February at 7.30. Then go to Saturday the 3rd at 7.30 p.m. Sunday the 4th, a matinee again, 2 o'clock p.m. Thursday the 8th at 7.30. Saturday the 10th at 7.30. Sunday the 11th, 2 o'clock p.m. Thursday the 15th at 7.30. Saturday the 17th at 7.30. And finally on Sunday the 18th at 2 o'clock p.m. at 
the J on the campus of the Jewish Community Center, and as I said, 5801 West 115th Street, Overland Park, Kansas. You can go online to get more information about this at thejkc.org, and the phone number you can call to ask, uh, oh, the many, many questions you might have, 913-327-8054, and... uh, that's what's uh, going on here. This is the first show, I guess, of nineteen of, of <laughs> two thousand twenty-four. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's an interesting one. A lot of the J shows have uh, their shows with perspective, and yeah. this show is has a perspective as well. Yeah, well, we uh, we like to pride ourselves on having a little something for everyone in the course of any given season, Michael, and and this show is no exception. Um, it's it's. One of my favorite shows uh, of all time because it pairs a great theme, a great story with an amazing book and lyrics and music. Uh, the, the show is a kind of classic Broadway musical with toe-tapping songs, songs you will be singing in your head when you leave the theater afterwards. You will want to go out and download the soundtrack after you see this show, but it's also a show that has a great message about unity and acceptance and understanding uh, and empathy. Yeah, and and, uh, based on actual events. Right. Right. So the show is based on a an actual true story um, that occurred um, a little while back. Um, the The show, the prom in the show, is set in Midwest Indiana. Um, the actual true story happened a little south of there, actually in Mississippi. But but based on a true story about a, a young girl who um, makes the quote unquote mistake of thinking that she can invite uh, another girl as her date to the school prom. And she's told she can't, she can't come if she's gonna do that. And then when when the PTA is told that they can't do that, they cancel the prom. Uh, So it's, um, it it, it actually happened um, and uh, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, one of the things that strikes me about uh, the theme of this show is you would think at some point that it, it wouldn't be relevant, but obviously it's still very relevant today with the culture wars and things that we have going on in the world where, where uh, battle lines are drawn and people uh, feel that it's appropriate to discriminate and hate based on uh, under the guise of righteousness and morality. Yeah, interesting show for the uh, yeah. for yeah. the J to pick to do. Yeah, well, in some ways, it's we've sort of developed uh, in our season that this winter show is usually a show that that kind of is a little edgier, a little fun, um, uh, kind of pushes the boundaries of our demographics a little bit, so that we're, you know, uh, as I said, we like to do a little something for everyone in all of our seasons. In this slot last season, we did Kinky Boots, and it ended up being the most popular non-summer show that we've ever done in the history of the White Theater. You do serious plays, but... It seems sure. like for the most part, you do musicals. Well, we usually program three musicals a year and one non-musical a year, and then a lot of special events and engagements and concerts in between. Um, this year, uh, we decided to shake that up a little bit, and we, are, and we are doing all four of our main shows are musicals. Um, so that's true this year. Last year, um, we, we, we had in our season a collaboration with the Black Repertory Theater of A Raisin in the Sun. Um, and probably next season, I think we'll get back to having a few musicals and then a non-musical so that, you know, we can have, again, 
something for everyone and not everyone wants to see musicals or frankly be in musicals. I mean, there are a lot of amazing talented actors out there who, you know, don't feel as strong about their singing and dancing talents, who frankly told us they were disappointed this season when we didn't have a a non-musical for them to participate in. Uh, Well, that's that's unfortunate, of course. But sometimes you have to go with uh, the demographics of things. And musicals, especially in Kansas City, musicals are very, very popular. Oh, my gosh, yes. I mean, our musicals typically bring in twice as many people um, as as our non-musicals. So, you know, what we are in in business, uh, we are a nonprofit theater, and we are there to bring the community together. So we try to do things that not only educate um, and enlighten, but you know, frankly, get people together under one roof, watching a shared story. You may be sitting next to somebody with a completely different background from you, but yet by experiencing that story together, we're helping to build our community, and that's what we're there for. Yeah, that's it. Speaking with Keith Whedon Keller, he is the uh, director of arts and culture for uh, the 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 White Theater. I guess. The J, or do the, I have for that the J. backwards? Yeah. For yeah. the J, the white, the white theater over for the J. And uh, we're talking about the prom, the first show of uh, 2024 at the White Theater on the campus, of course, of the Jewish Community Center. And we're talking about the, this uh, first show, but also uh, I always like to talk about musicals and uh, how they're picked and all of that. What... The attraction of doing this one, you, you've yeah. sort of explained. Well, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, as I said, it, it's kind of nice that it's a true story. I actually, um, for me personally, the way the prom made its way onto our stage started with my wife and I seeing the show on Broadway when it was in its Broadway run. And I was just completely blown away by the, again, the quality of the music how fun it is, but also how important a story it is. And importantly, the other true aspect of this story is the the show kind of pokes some good-natured fun at the celebrities who get involved to take up this young girl's cause, which actually, again, happened in real life. In the true story, uh, several celebrities sort of took this on and, and it made it uh, a big social media thing. Um, and in the show, the show kind of pokes fun about what the motivation for that might be. Oh, I see. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So are you in it for that person or are you sort of helping to promote your own career by doing that? So so it's not a, a one-sided uh, story at all. It really explores uh, every everybody. And, and like most good musicals, in the course of the story, everyone sort of evolves a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to talk about the songs first, or or the characters? Uh, oh well, I mean, the there are four, four. Basically, there are sort of four Broadway stars, quote unquote, who who find their careers sort of struggling at the beginning of the show and stumble upon Emma, the the main character's um, story, and decide to take it up as their cause. And uh, and two of them are kind of A-listers, if you will, and two tend to play more secondary roles and sort of supplement their income by waitressing or waitering uh, and things like that. Um, and then there's a whole cast of characters. Of course, there's a, there are a lot of, a lot of 
it uh, most of the show once the stars get to uh, to the small town where this is uh, fictitiously happening um, are high school students. So there's lots of kids. The dancing in this show is just amazing. Our 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 uh, choreographer Casey Christensen uh, has done an, an incredible job, and he his stuff is always so fun to see. And this cast executes it flawlessly. Yeah, you, yeah. You have a you're you're very well equipped over there. We we I'll, are. I'll always we remember are. the time you because I was curious. I, yeah. Uh, you fly actors in. <laughs> yeah, we can. Absolutely. I, yeah, I think you toured the theater when yes. we were doing Peter Pan. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I had to see yeah. how Pan got a flight, mm-hmm. <laughs> so to speak. So, yeah, yeah. you were nice we'll, enough to take and, us backstage. And we'll be doing uh, flying again this summer for our summer show, uh, The Little Mermaid, um, in order to make the underwater effects. Um, it's It's helpful if you can... If you can afford it, uh, to uh, to to rent the equipment to be able to fly people for that as well. So yeah, you'll see some people sort of swimming, quote unquote, <laughs> uh, in the Little Mermaid, um, but they'll actually be what we call flying. Yeah. I th- I think kids will <laughs> enjoy. That. Oh my gosh! Yes. Well, what about the age group for the prom? What so do you that's recommend? That's a great question. Um, of course, every parent needs to make their own decision. Um, I what what we we kind of got online and tried to research that a little bit and and other theaters that have done the show in, in the past have said ages ten and up, but I, I really think it's up to the parent to figure that out. Um, really, in my view, there there's some adult language because these Broadway stars, uh, New York folks, come in and <laughs> and you know they throw a couple of uh, adult um, words around. Um, but uh, but other than that, I, I couldn't think of a reason any kid who could sit through it wouldn't enjoy it. I mean, just like many musicals with, with some humor, you know, like even Shrek, for instance. There's plenty of grown-up humor in that that for young kids, it just kind of goes right over their head. And, there'll be, and there's some of that as well. But um, I, I mean, frankly... It, I would bring a ten-year-old to see it for sure because I, for, I think that it's important uh, for them to learn about you know this topic of acceptance and inclusion sure. and how everybody's different and how you know what makes us beautiful as a country and a community is our differences and how we all mm-hmm. come from different backgrounds, like different things, do different things, um, and I think that that is probably a pretty vital story for any any kid to learn as you as you talked and thought about all of this aren't kids in my opinion anyway and I should divorce that but they're more savvy especially if they watch oh my god cable yes. television yeah. or streaming yeah. today oh my oh, they're, yes. they're a lot more yeah. sophisticated yeah. as far as what they're seeing yeah I mean I I yeah, I don't think there's certainly nothing in this show that 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 most kids haven't seen on TV at any given time at their home, on their computer, on their phones, whatever. Um, as I said, a little language, and that's kind of it, really. And uh, and it's interesting you bring that up um, because what happens in the without this being a spoiler is, as you might imagine, um, the. I alluded to earlier that sort of all the characters evolve a little bit in this story, and that's true also of the kids in the high school, Uh right? 
Um, and and so and there's there's this wonderful wonderful scene where uh, one of the characters, uh, uh, Trent, um, he kind of gets with the kids and sort of um, helps them understand the hypocrisy of some of the things that some of the reasoning that people were using to discriminate and to to exclude uh, certain people from the prom, which the prom obviously is a dance, right? And you might think, well, who cares about a dance? But in this story, the prom really serves as a substitute for our community and our world, right? There's a great line in the closing number that says, build a prom for everyone, right? Show them all it can be done. If, if music blares and no one cares who your unruly heart loves. And, you know, so to me, when they sing that, I substitute the word world for prom. Build a world where all of that works. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting show. I, I can't help it but harken back to my own prom. Sure. Which was years, right? years ago. It was big band music. Uh-huh. That's, yeah. That was oh, what wow. was at the prom. The, and, and it wasn't Michael, all that long ago. We at least had a rock and roll band at my prom. Come no, our, I grew up in Independence. Okay. No, our, our right. administration back then uh-huh. uh, of the school and the school board was more comfortable with... We had rock music at some of the dances. Yeah. I don't want to make us oh, sound right. too yeah, awful. That's okay. But the theme of the prom was Foggy London Town. Oh, okay, sure. And it was, for the most part, big, what we would call today, big band music. And some of the young people don't. I love big band music. I I do, too. It could be a lot of fun, and it can be really fun to dance to. Um, You know, you mentioned going to your prom. Uh, The other thing, you asked me about some of the characters. One of the characters, Barry Glickman, who's played by by Brian Larios, a great uh, singer and performer here in town, Barry, in his history, um, didn't get to go to his prom, right? Because back when he was that age, he he couldn't. You uh-huh. know, he, it simply wouldn't have, wouldn't have been allowed. And or if he'd gone, he would have had to pretend to be something that he wasn't. True. And that's so. That's one of the other kind of cool storylines that happens here. Is the main character Emma, the young girl, um, has been uh, kicked out of her house by her parents, which again, happens still today, incredibly. Um, she's living with her grandmother. Um, and Barry, the Broadway actor who comes to, quote-unquote, save her, help save the day, you know, hasn't spoken to his mom in 30 years. Yeah, so it, 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 the, the idea of, again, the prom, yeah, it's just a dance, but when you think about how people, what the expectations are and, and, and how for some people, it just doesn't work out in the storybook setting the way that uh, that your prom may have been or my prom yeah. was. Yeah, it, it it was a big deal. It was a big social deal, sure. uh, a, a profile deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you know? Are you going to the prom, and who are you yeah. going to take? That yeah. was the conversation for a long time. Yeah. So, so that just that just kind of build that edge up, and of course, our I don't want to pick on my old school district, but I, I guess I have to. They had a certain insight of what they uh, wanted it to be like. Oh, sure, sure. And uh, that's what they went with. 
Well, so, and, and actually that's addressed in the show too. Is it, who's, who's the prom for? Is it for uh -huh. the kids or, yeah. you know, cause there's a conflict between the student council is supposed to be planning the prom, but the PTA gets, as you might imagine in this yeah. storyline, oh, sure. very involved. Um, and, and so, yeah, there's that question too, is it, what, who is this for, you know? Sure. Yeah. Sure. It, it's, I don't know. It was kind of a coming of age thing. Yeah. A, at least where I grew up, oh, I mean, sure. It, sure. you know, it was you expect you were expected to uh, wear a tux. Yeah, and I don't know. I'm trying oh, to think. Yeah. Had I ever worn a tux before that? Maybe a few times to church, but that's about it. Oh, sure. That's yeah. about it. So yeah, that the was formal wear uh, rental places and, cashed in around prom time. Oh, yeah. and my date had to uh, buy a special dress for yeah. this because yeah, yeah. they didn't. Uh, uh, wear that sort of thing all the time yeah of and course you'll see all that on stage in this yeah. show there's uh we're you know the the show is uh, is uh, costumed amazingly as well as you might imagine with all the shows we do at the j one of the things we pride ourselves on at the white theater is that we do it's community theater, um, but we present it as professionally as a professional theater, and that includes the scenic and the lighting and the costumes and all of that, um, and the masterful direction by Tim Baer, who is the uh, artistic director out at Shawnee Mission Theater in the park. Uh, he's our director. So you'll see a professional-level show on stage there, but at community theater prices. Yeah. yeah. I was talking with Keith Whedon-Keller the uh, Director of Arts and Culture over at the White Theater at the J, and we're talking about the prom, the, uh, the presentation that they'll be having beginning on uh, Saturday, January 27th. It's coming up. Yeah, we and, run for four weekends. And yeah. for four weekends over at the J, which is located, by the way, at 5801 West 115th Street in Overland Park, Kansas. Zip code, if you need to map quest things, is 66211. Uh, you can go online to learn more about it at uh, thejkc.org. And the phone number you can call over there is 913 Five four. Always enjoyed talking with Keith and and all of that. Do you want to talk about some of the local talent? Well, it doesn't have to be local. Any of the talent that's uh, that's in the show that you would like to mention? Well, I, as I as I mentioned, Brian Larios uh, plays Barry Glickman in the show, and uh, and that's kind of one of the main roles. Uh, the other sort of uh, foil for for Brian, and really, I would say, uh, except for the young girl whose story this is, the other main main role uh is is uh is a character called Dee Dee Allen who you might remember in the movie version of this show that came out a few years ago uh was played uh by Meryl Streep um and uh and uh, Margot Michelson uh just does an incredible job uh and Margot has done plenty of theater here in town and uh and some some of your listeners i'm sure will recognize her name as well um and uh yeah that character that's a sweet role uh lots of killer songs and she's the broadway diva if you will who uh kind of descends on the town with the other broadway stars to uh to kind of change everyone's lives uh if they can and hopefully resurrect their careers in the process um but, yeah. always a consideration yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, so margo is fantastic uh, lots of other folks who are just amazing but uh but 
Um, I will I will say that uh, that one of our uh, Brooke Ariel, who plays Emma Nolan, the 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 main character, the young girl who uh, who uh, who wants to invite her girlfriend to the prom, um, she Brooke has done the role once before, so she's very familiar with it. And then uh, Annalise Mock plays opposite her as her. Uh, I'll, I'll say girlfriend. I guess you can still say that these days. Um, but again, another interesting part of that storyline is that she, the girlfriend, uh, Alyssa, hasn't come out yet. Um, and her mom is the head of the PTA. I see. And driving this, this, this uh, initiative to keep uh, the gays out, if you will. Uh, uh-huh. So um, it's, it's a great story with a great cast. And we've got lots of new talent. Um, all of our actors are volunteers. It's a community theater. That's a, that's a tradition that was established at the Jewish community in 1932 with the establishment of the Resident Theater, the first successful community theater here in Kansas City, um, and has been carried on ever since uh, at the Jewish Community Center, the J. Um, but uh, those, we've got a great cast of all volunteer actors. Um, they sound great. Uh, they look great. And uh, it's going to be a fantastic performance. Yeah. With, speaking with Keith, uh, the show uh, opens, as I said, on the uh, on the 27th. That's coming up. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, this coming Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they in their final week of uh, tech and dress rehearsals? Yeah. Night? Yeah. So this week uh, I left the theater at midnight last night um, and here we are this morning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, they're all listening this morning. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Tech week is uh, for people that have done theater like this before, no matter how much planning, how much advanced work you do. That last week is always uh, kind of crazy because there's always more that you can do to make the show as good as it can be. The directors always like to put their mark on things. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about your director. Yes, yeah, so and how that person puts their mark on this. Yeah. Uh, some shows you're kind of afraid to. I would be kind of afraid to to venture off of uh, the main theme. But yeah. some directors like to put things in that yeah. put their mark on. Yeah. It. So of course we, you know, when you license a show, you, you you have to do the script as it's presented. But but as you as you uh, as you allude to, Michael, um, any good director. Uh, always will have sort of their own con- what we call concept for the show, um, and and uh, and our director Tim Bear um, has done great work with our designers to sort of create something very special. And I, I would say the things that strike me about Tim's direction, first of all, he is so good with our cast. And when you run a community theater, um, the, that has to be top of mind because if people don't want to volunteer. Uh, for f- four to five weeks of rehearsal and then four weeks of run, um, you know, you have to have people that are willing to do that. That's asking a lot. And if they're not going to have a good time in the process, they're not going to come back. And Tim is is so good <coughs> at, um, at, at, you know, letting the actors have fun, but at the same time being having high standards and really expecting a lot of them. Um, and understanding this idea that we're sort of all in this together, um, and if somebody's having struggling with their lines, then they're not only affecting the show, they're affecting everyone else in the show. Um, and, uh, and Tim also has an exceptional artistic flair. 
He's got a great vision for scenic elements. Um, but at the same time, again, as any good director does, lets his designers um, contribute to the process. And so it truly is a collaborative process. Um, you know, um, you can certainly have directors who are, who are um, sort of more authoritarian, more sort of saying this is my way or the highway. We generally don't have directors like that at the J, or at least not after more than one experience. Um, <laughs> so uh, Tim is great with the cast, great with the team, um, and just has a great artistic eye, um, and um, and and also is very flexible in working with with us. Uh, as you might imagine, in the course of putting of the five weeks. Um, when you're rehearsing, but also way before that. I mean, we start having production meetings months in advance to talk about the design of the show. And as you might imagine, as you go through the process, sometimes you have to adapt, you have to change, and you might have to cut something or change something. And um, the thing that always strikes me about Tim is that he is he's very flexible. And he's like, you know what? I, I thought that would work, but it doesn't work, so let's not do that. And then we change sure. it and we move on. We do something, you know, we work, we work the scene a different way or go in a different door or use a different prop or get rid of that, you know, piece of scenery that, that it didn't work the way we wanted it to work. And it's rare to find a director that is willing to be that flexible. Great. Well, we're going to talk more about that. I want to ask uh, uh, Keith more about costuming and things like oh, that. Sure. It's a prom, so I, that probably entails a lot of fancy <laughs> dresses and, yeah. and tuxes and things like that. Sure. But maybe not. Maybe we'll find out when we return. We're a little past our break, so we should get to it. You're listening to the Arts Magazine radio program at its new 9 a.m. time right here on KKFI. 90.1 FM. Hi, I'm Russ Simmons with Freeze Frame, KKFI's weekly look at the newest cinematic fair in theaters and streaming. Ava DuVernay's earnest and thoughtful drama, Origin, focuses on the multiple personal traumas that prize-winning author Isabel Wilkerson endured as she wrote and researched her nonfiction bestseller, Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents. Ingenue Ellis Taylor is excellent in the lead role, and while the movie is sometimes frustratingly repetitious and preachy, it makes an effective case for Wilkerson's worldview about systemic class and racial divisions. In the space opus ISS, three American astronauts and three Russian cosmonauts manning the International Space Station turn on one another when a war breaks out on Earth. Ariana DuBose and Chris Messina lead the cast in this workmanlike thriller that has a few claustrophobic chills. In spite of the heavy subject matter, ISS is surprisingly weightless. Sir Anthony Hopkins plays the father of modern psychology Sigmund Freud, and Matthew Good portrays lauded author C.S. Lewis in the speculative drama Freud's Last Session. It imagines what a conversation might have been like between the agnostic Freud and the Christian intellectual Lewis. Freud's Last Session has a gifted cast and a great premise, but never comes close to fulfilling the promise of this intriguing setup. Oscar winner Jodie Foster and former pro boxer Kaylee Reese star in the Max drama series True Detective Night Country. It marks the fourth season of the popular franchise. This new, dark, and extremely lurid story involves a strange case where several scientists inexplicably disappear from an Alaska research station. True Detective Night Country is creepy and off-putting, but it's an effectively made chiller. Well, that's it for this edition of Freeze Frame. Until next time, I'm Russ Simmons with Fox 4 and KKFI-FM. Freeze Frame! 
Hi, this is Maria Hall, co-host of Law and Disorder. Thank you for joining us on Tuesday mornings, 9 a.m. here on KKFI 90.1 FM in beautiful Kansas City, Missouri. We're now moving to Monday, 7 p.m. as of January 2024. That's Monday, 7 p.m. Law and Disorder will be now broadcasting Monday evening, 7 p.m. So keep it locked in right here to KKFI 90.1 FM. Hi, this is Bill Pierce. The All Souls Forum is moving from Thursday noon to Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. This is part of the new on-air schedule being rolled out at KKFI in the third week of January. Please join us for the All Souls Forum each Tuesday at 7 p.m. beginning January 23rd. And welcome back to the Arts Magazine Show right here on KKFI 90.1 FM, your community radio station right here in Kansas City. I'm Michael Hogue, your host. You're listening to uh, the first Tuesday edition of the Arts Magazine Show. I was thinking back earlier, uh, I've been on, when I first started at this station, I was on Monday night at 9 o'clock. They then thought a show like this would work better on the weekend. So I got moved to Saturday, got moved to Sunday. Got moved back to Saturday. Got moved back to Sunday. Finally got moved to Wednesday morning. Uh, similar to the time frame that this is in, but on Wednesday. Then Wednesday at 6 o'clock. Then Monday. Back to Monday at 9 o'clock. Then uh, Monday at 12 o'clock noon. Now we're on Tuesday in the morning. Uh, I, I just would like to stay settled for a while. <laughs> and make it a little bit easier for me. But I'm glad that you had a chance to join us. If you've never been exposed to this program before, I think you'll find it interesting. We're listening with Keith uh, Whedon-Keller, and he's telling us about the... Uh, the White Theater, a, a beautiful building over there in Overland, Overland yeah. Park, yeah, uh, yeah. and the show that they're doing, The Prom. I, I, before the break, I said, because it's a prom, and, and I went to mine. So I know you had to get just the right tuxedo, oh, and sure. it, had to match, uh, it had to match. I ended up getting a blue jacketed mm -hmm. tuxedo with dark black pants. Cumberbund and all of that that went along with it. My date told me that she was wearing a pink dress, a pink gown mm -hmm. dress. So mm -hmm. with the blue match, the pink. So I actually took <laughs> my jacket <laughs> over there to her house, and she and her family looked over both of them, held them, actually held them up next oh to each other <laughs> to see if it would go together, and it did. It, yeah. It was a wonderful experience. It it really was, and uh, but that was a long time ago. But sometimes special costuming is oh, sure, needed for sure. this one, and this yeah. one uh, would prove to be probably pretty similar. Yeah, our costume designer Fran Capono Cazilla or Cuzilla. I'm sorry. Um, Fran is fantastic, and she has done uh, just a, a really great job of. Uh, in this show, there are actually sort of three proms that happen in the course of the, the the plot. I won't say any more than that because it would give things away, but just uh, suffice it to say that Fran had a lot of work, a lot of tuxedos involved, and, and also a lot of um, different looks in terms of, again, you know, as, as you alluded to earlier, when you and I 
point to our proms, um, people you know dressed a little differently than they do today uh, for prom. Um, although there is some of that traditional attire that you'll see on stage, but you'll also see some more fun stuff and some more imaginative uh, takes on what one might wear to a prom uh, in current day settings. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, the cast is uh, I think twenty. 25 people and uh and you know everybody's got several different looks and uh anytime you do a big broadway style musical um the costume designer is absolutely integral to the process and uh and has to coordinate their look not only with what the the director's concept for the show is but also um, coordinate with the scenic designer who are our scenic designer is john Rohr, who actually i think teaches at avila um and John is, uh, you know, again, he and Fran need to sort of work together so that, I mean, the costumes sort of have to work with the concept of the scenery. Sure. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a big job. And just because it's at a theater like yours doesn't make it any less of a big job. No. In fact, it it's usually makes it harder because the size of our stage, you know, with 500 seats and, and a nice big, you know, traditional proscenium style stage with an orchestra pit and lots of backstage and wing space there's there's room for big casts yeah so we can do shows that that other community theaters can't do um and even other professional theaters would have trouble producing i can remember back when we did our collaboration with the coterie uh, the reason that we collaborated on newsies um i think it was 2018 um on our stage was because it, it that show couldn't be presented on the Coterie stage. So it's it's a luxury to have a, a stage the size that we have. Um, and it means that most of the shows we do are big shows, and that means lots of costumes. It sure does. I, I, I remember Newsies especially because of that key line that I've never been able to forget and don't want to really. It was a lot of fun. Uh, one of the young men said, you know, without Newsies, nobody knows nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we feel about you, Mike. That's right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah it's uh, yeah. it's always interesting. What about uh, we've talked about some of the music? Do you, you? I'm sure you have a musical director for the show. Oh yes, our musical director Kevin Bogan, um, oh, who yeah, yeah. Uh, does a lot of work here in town, um, but also is the music uh, the senior music director person at uh, Core Church of the Resurrection, um, and uh, and so Kevin's very talented and he'll also play and conduct in the pit uh, and he's assembled a uh, really very talented uh, dedicated uh, orchestra uh, this this show has I think a 12 or 13 piece orchestra it could be bigger than that um, I start losing count after five or six but um, it's a you know it's a full orchestra. One of the things that we try to do with most of our shows is actually have full orchestras. There's every occasionally we'll, we'll use tracks, uh, you know, recorded music. Um, but um, this is a full orchestra, and Kevin has done a really a stupendous job as musical director, not only coaching the actors, teaching them the music, putting them through it, rehearsing with them, but also he'll be involved at every performance as well. Yeah, yeah. Great to have somebody of that caliber yeah. on your show as well. There, uh, this is not the only show they'll be doing. <laughs> they have a full complement of 
complimented seasons. Uh, this is the first show. Uh, do you go by January calendar or some places so, go by July calendar? Yeah, so our season actually starts in the fall. It kind of mirrors oh. the school year. Um, so we've already had our first big show of the season, which was Into the Woods, which I think you and I chatted about back then, um, and then the prom. And then coming up here, we try to, to do, uh, as a uh, mentioned earlier in our sort of spring slot we will tend to do a non-musical or if we're going to do a musical it has to be a slightly smaller uh, simpler show um, so our spring show this year is going to be a show a fun show called the gentleman's guide to love and murder um, and it is just as silly as the title sounds um, it's it's kind of the musical style is very sort of Gilbert and Sullivan um, it's it's uh, it's a story about a young man who finds out he's ninth in line I think for the Earl of Highhurst uh, so he's he's he finds out that he's a he's actually nobility um, but the problem is the rest of the family doesn't want any part of him so oh. um, they shun him and long story short he decides that he's going to show them and he's going to do that by becoming first in line uh-huh. and of course in order to do that the other eight folks need to be out of the way (laughs) so it's a farce as you might imagine and yeah nobody's trying to to make light of of real situations uh where murders happen but this is clearly just fun the music as i said is very evocative of kind of a gilbert and sullivan it's lots of clever clever lyrics very fun to listen to Uh, and and but yet it's got a little bit of that element of uh, you know who did it um, and uh, this this story also has the the really fun convention of um, uh, one actor plays almost all of Monty's relatives. So well, that would make so, sense. Yes, yeah, so, he would. They would all look a little alike. Yeah. So the Dysquith is the is the family name. The Dysquiths uh, <laughs> are all played by the same actor. Uh, and so we, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun uh, from that perspective because, uh, you know, you, you, and the audience kind of knows uh, that going in. It's kind of a thing. Um, but even if you don't know, after a while, you sort of figure it out. Um, and, uh, and so that's, it's just a fun, fun, fun show. Um, you know, I, I'd like to tell you there's a moral of the story, but there isn't. There's really. not. Really. <laughs> there's not really. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't knock off your your nine, your eight nearest relatives in order to get the inheritance. Uh, a gentleman's be, guide to love and murder happens when? How? how that'll f- be March 9th. March, okay. That opens up March 9th and runs for three weekends. Okay, and you talked a little bit earlier about mm-hmm. your collaboration with the Black Repertory Theater, oh, yeah. who have become more active in the last several years. Yeah, well, the Black Rep uh, has uh, has really flourished under the leadership of Dameron Russell Armstrong. Uh, he's got great artistic vision. He's very committed, passionate, lots of great ideas. And Dameron and I first uh, connected uh, a few seasons ago, uh, we uh, we decided that we wanted to co-produce something uh, on the white theater stage. Again, a situation where the black rep doesn't have sort of a home theater. They don't have their own theater, so they play at different locations around town. So um, we thought it'd be fun to collaborate on something and produce it on the white theater stage. Um, and so we got together and we co-produced uh, the musical Memphis which is, a, again, great story. Dameron directed it. 
we had uh, Pam Watson was our music director, a great band. Uh, and we had such a great time, we decided we wanted to do another collaboration last season, and that was our production of a Raisin, Lorraine Hansberry's Raisin in the Sun, um, which I was lucky enough to be in. That was kind of fun. Um, there's uh, only one? Uh, there's only one person in the cast who is not a person of color. Uh-huh. Uh, and, that, and that was you. That was me. Yeah. Uh, strangely enough, we didn't have a lot of people audition who wanted to play the jerk white guy. Uh, um, well, so that's too bad. Occ- occasionally, I will step in uh, when uh, if we don't have, uh, you know, enough people or the right people audition for a show. But anyway, uh, A Raisin in the Sun broke lots of records for us, including we sold out our very first student matinee during the day, uh, a school day. Uh, and uh, you know 500 kids oh yeah in an auditorium that would be great for them to see a show like that yeah so a raisin in the sun that was last season and then this season we are collaborating and you know we try to switch it up memphis is a fun you know kind of toe tapping musical raisin in the sun obviously a very serious uh, occasionally funny but mostly pretty serious uh, drama Uh, and then this season we're going to do in april Um, a musical review with the Black Rep called Blues in the Night, which is kind of a, uh, when I say musical review, it it is an uh, all-sung musical, uh, and it has sort of a, the skeleton of a plot, but really it's just an excuse to get a whole lot of great music out there, and as you might imagine from the title, it's mostly blues. Um, Great, great music. It's a small cast, um, and so... Um, it'll be four or five folks uh, and uh, just some amazing, amazing music. And Damron will uh, direct that as well. Um, and uh, that'll be that opens on April 13th and runs just for seven performances, I think. He's yeah. had what even he calls straight plays. Now, what do they mean by that? That means uh, uh, not a musical. Non-musical, yeah. <laughs> So some people yeah. get confused. Yeah. <laughs> when, so when you hear theater people say that, that's usually what they mean. Sure, yeah. I mean, these days with the terminology of gay versus straight, sure. the, the term straight play has become a little, I don't want to say problematic, but it can be confusing. Yeah. We don't want to confuse anyone. Uh, a straight play is just a non-musical. Uh, yeah. Uh, the the yeah. point I was getting at, he's had some great musicals in oh, the shows absolutely. that he's had. Yeah, I mean, he just did a, a sing-through of Ragtime, uh, a concert version of Ragtime that was stupendous. So uh, Dameron does some great stuff, and we are excited to be with uh, working with him again. Um, and actually, uh, Theater League uh, is one of our supporters of that project. Uh, Theater League uh, is supporting, uh, through the Black Rep, uh, the production of that show, as they did last year uh, with A Raisin in the Sun, and as they did the year before uh, with Memphis. So uh, Theater League's logo will also be on that poster. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad he's getting more of that kind of support. Yeah. That makes it uh, so much easier to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, a big name, the Black Repertory Theater. Absolutely. In some cities, that is a big theater. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah sure. But here, not, of course, it hasn't been going on for sure. quite a long time. Sure. And, uh, you know, it's, again, it's, uh, there's a lot of theater here in town, and, uh, and there are other theaters that, uh, that do content that is m- more uh, geared for people of color in terms of the cast. Uh, you've got the melting pot. Uh, and uh, so, 
Yeah, the Black Repertory Theater is uh, is a is a force to be reckoned with here in Kansas City, and continues to grow and get better and do more every single year, and we're happy to be a small part of that. People from professional theater around the country have often come on this show and said, I'm surprised that Kansas City has as much as it does, but but we do. Yeah, we do a have per, a lot especially of that. on a per capita basis, we've got more theater than New York City. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and and that uh, that is surprising to a lot of people. Now you probably don't need a lot of need a lot of help in publicizing The Little Mermaid, but that is your summer show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, coming up on July 6th, uh, Guy Gardner will be directing that. Uh, Guy has directed other projects for us in the past, and most theater goers in town uh, know him. And uh, the last time he was on stage for us was uh, in Kinky Boots. Uh, Guy's a great director, great actor, great partner. Um, and uh, The Little Mermaid, of course, is it's Disney's Little Mermaid. So you know the story. You know most of the music. If you've seen the movie... Um, if you've seen the live action version, um, so you're, you, you'll know this show. Great for families. It's got all the, you know, all the classic music. Uh, Ursula, the mean, the mean uh, queen of the. <laughs> there always in a Disney. Yeah. There always has to be a mean. One. Absolutely, <laughs> you got to have a villain, and you got to have lots of great music and uh, and a good love story, and you got all that stuff, and some great comedic relief, uh, and we are very excited to be bringing that to the stage. Uh, and we will do it right. Uh, sure. It's a big show, and uh, it deserves uh, some high production values, and we will bring that to that show. Now, I haven't left you nearly enough time, but I want to mention a next season's West Side Story, which you're doing in a more correct I think that's probably the right word. More correct ethnic way. Well, we're hoping to do that. Yeah, we have, uh, uh, and this is, uh, I hope it's okay that I'm saying this on the air. We, uh, we have been working uh, with Carlos Gomez at the Hispanic um, Chamber um, because there, there actually isn't right now, to our knowledge, maybe there is, and somebody will hear this and let me know, um, that there isn't uh, a, a Hispanic or Latinx equivalent of the black rep. In sure. Kansas City. Not here. Um, Not yet anyway. And um, and so um, I know Carlos from our prior uh, from my prior work uh, in in a prior career with him and uh, not with him, but uh, associating with him in a prior career. Um, and I, I just I've, I've been wanting to do West Side Story for a long time. The music is amazing. Uh, great. Again, great story. Um, not only the fact that it's based on a classic Romeo and Juliet, but but obviously the themes that it addresses, it's perfect for us, right? Um, but um, you know, it's it's more challenging these days. There's there's more of an expectation of of what I'll just say authentic casting, um, you know. So so at least casting people of Hispanic descent or Latinx descent. Um, in those roles. And as most people know who've seen West Side Story, and gosh, I got to believe at this point, everybody's seen some version of it. There have been two movies, you know, obviously played on Broadway forever, a classic show, been produced all over. Um, I think it's actually being produced this summer uh, out at Starlight. Um, but we are going to do, our hope is that next summer, um, if everything falls into place the way Carlos and I have it planned, is we will do a co-production with the Hispanic Chamber of an authentically casted West Side Story. That's our that's our hope, um, and if we can make that happen, that's that's in the works right now. And you are the first 
person that I've said that to out loud publicly. Well, so thank you. You that's got a, the scoop, Michael. That's, that's nice to hear you say that, but, but it's even more important that, uh, that you're doing that show. Yeah. The I, I Jets mean, and the Sharks uh, yeah. will come alive. Yeah, and, uh, and you know, we will make uh, – I don't think there's a way that you can say, I guarantee that, that a, X, Y, and Z will happen, but, but my goal is that we do everything humanly possible from our perspective as a little old community theater to, to make sure that it's cast – the show is cast authentically. And as you alluded to, obviously the Sharks um, are, are in the story, are, are all Puerto Rican. Now, we don't expect to be able to cast – you know, eight or nine or ten Puerto Ricans, um, but we certainly can make a, a heroic effort to cast uh, people from at least Hispanic descent sure. in those roles. Yeah, and if you are Puerto Rican, for instance, well, and, can, and you're a wonderful singer, you should consider this yeah, when the time for auditioning yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. should well, they? That'll, that'll be coming up uh, next year, obviously, um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, we're not going to cast somebody simply because they are of a certain background or, or descent. Um, you got to be talented first, uh, and then those other things are great. Uh, so uh, we hope that we can, we will, by partnering with the Hispanic Chamber, we're hoping, hoping that we can, you know, that they will help us get the word out in the right communities uh, to, you know, obviously, we're, you know, we're down in, you know, 115th Street. So we're... Sure. We are not in the heart of the of the of an area that's able to reach out to many different diverse communities, and that's part of the reason we do these collaborations is so that we can we can partner throughout the the region. Sure. Well, lots of exciting things you told us about today. Yeah. Yeah. And we, yes, we've just about covered oh the hour, we've so done it all. we're going to have to run. Uh, uh, Link's mix is next, and and knowing Link. Could be just about everything or anything. <laughs> we'll find out shortly. Yeah, but but thank you for listening to this first Tuesday edition. I've I th- I've just about covered every day of the week in my years here at KKFI. <laughs> so now now I've got Tuesday covered as well. Our guest has been Keith Weidenkeller, Weidenkeller from the managing uh, uh, the director of arts and culture, I should say, from uh, uh, the White Theater, mm-hmm. the J here in Kansas City. The show, The Prom, opens this Saturday, the 27th and 7.30, runs for essentially four weekends, mm-hmm. not on a Friday, but uh, usually Thursday through Sunday. Yep. Yep. And uh, at, the, uh, at, the, at the J uh-huh. in Overland Park, 5801 West 115th Street, right near what used to be the Sprint Campus. Now it's the T-Mobile Campus. Right. The number to call for more information, 913-327-8054. Thanks so much. Thanks, for being Michael. a part of our first Tuesday morning show. Uh, it's my pleasure. I'm glad to help you get it kicked off with a bang. I, I, and we certainly did, too. Like I said, Lynx Mix is next. Could be just about anything. So until next, we meet, ladies and gentlemen, at that crossing the road, and it will be next Tuesday at 9 a.m. I'm Michael Hogue. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.